As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The following program is a production of Faith to Victory Ministries. We have to courageously proclaim that just as Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father, He is the only way to a restoration of our nation's faith, of our nation's relationship to God. But most importantly, remember that as followers of Christ, we are commissioned. We are given the order. We have the responsibility and the accountability to be His eyes, to be His hands, to be His feet, but most importantly, to be His voice. Welcome to Faith to Victory Sunday Worship, with minister and founder of Faith to Victory Ministries, Michael Collins. Now, here's Michael with today's message. The world is going to continue to change. It has been changing over uh, for, through the ages at a, such a rapid pace that, you know, many Christians today are, are experiencing an increased amount of anxiety, an increased amount of concern about the condition of the society and the very nation that we live in. You know, there are a lot of believers, a lot of believers who are living in fear of the uncertainty of our future as Christians. You know, how do we combat the threats to our freedom but not only our freedom, but to our faith, to what we believe. How are we as Christians to stand firm in our convictions of faith and our beliefs when the very nation that we live in, which was, I might add, founded on Christian principles, but the nation that we live in continues to fall further and further away from God, the God that we love and the God that we strive to serve. How we have to, to really make that effort to steer ourselves away from the, the so many worldviews that are being bought into today by many people who are looking for answers, people who are looking for solutions uh, outside of the Word of God. You know, the attitude that a lot of people have in our world today and our nation today is that they want to look anywhere but here. 
for satisfaction. They want to look anywhere but here for peace, for happiness, for fulfillment, for contentment. But as Christians, we have to be willing to courageously step forward and encourage people that this is the only source in where you're going to find those things, where you're going to be able to find peace, you're going to be able to find contentment, that you're going to be able to find a wholeness in your life and a fulfillment that can only be met by Christ. You know, when we talk about having a, a certain worldview, what we're talking about is how we choose to view our reality, the real world around us, how we choose to make sense of life. Uh, that, for instance, you know, the, the, the secular humanist, some of you may be familiar with who those folks are and what they believe, but they believe that the world and happiness is only be, can only be achieved through material things and that the material world is all that exists. Now, Buddhists believe that they are liberated by a, a suffering and self-purification. You know, whether conscious or, or subconscious, every person in God's creation has some type of worldview, some type of impression or understanding of the world around them. You know, a personal worldview is a combination of, of all that you believe to be true and what you believe is the reason for every emotion that you have, every decision that you make, and every action that you carry out. It affects your responses in every area of your life, everything of who you are. So we have to ask ourselves, what, what does God say about all this? What does the Bible say? in regard to all of these things that we're talking about here. You know, God wants us to have, if we're going to have a worldview, He wants us to have a biblical worldview because this is His world. The Bible is His Word. The Bible is His truth. So how we look at the world that God has given us and created for us to live in, and we live this life that He has created for us to live, we have to have a view that is based on what God's Word says on how he wants us. And he wants us to have that biblical worldview so that we will have a Christian response to what we see happening all around us in our world. You know, having a biblical worldview is accepting and, and living by the belief that our primary reason for existence is to love and to serve God. And that we have that opportunity because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Our worldview is based on God's infallible Word. Now, when you call the Word of God infallible, what are you saying? You're talking, when you say it's infallible, you're talking about how dependable it is, how reliable it is, how trustworthy it is, how uh, there, there's nothing that is untrue about it, that it is ever, uh, never failing, is without error, it is guaranteed, it is certain, sure, safe, foolproof, and always effective. So when you talk about the Word of God being fallible, that's what you're saying. And that says an awful lot in one word. A lot of di different definitions for that one word. But we know as Christians that if we have trusted the Word of God in our life, and we have grounded our life in its truth, 
then we know that it is indeed never failing and it's never wrong and it's never going to lead us in a direction to make a choice or a decision that we're going to regret. It's always going to be for our good. Our, our worldview, our personal worldview as a Christian is also based on our personal belief that the Bible is entirely true. You know, there was one time I was a member of a church years ago and, and I was a new Christian and there was a gentleman in that church that I really looked up to. He was one of the deacons of the church. And yes, this was a Southern Baptist church. And he was someone that I really looked up to that I, I kind of thought, well, that's a real Christian. That is a real man of faith. Our families were having dinner together one day, and we got to talking about the Bible, and we got to talking about the Old Testament, and somehow or another we got around to some, some of the things that are in the Old Testament that are kind of hard to understand, that are kind of repetitive when you get to the begats and the begats, and see, she begat him, and he begat her, and they begat them. You know, and you think, why do I need to read all of that? The thing about it is, and he made a statement about the Word of God, about the Bible that just really threw me for a loop. He said, you know, I, I, I trust the Bible is the Word of God, but I, I just don't think all of it is true. <laughs> I, I can't understand it. I, it doesn't make any sense to me. So if it doesn't make any sense, how can it, how can it apply to me and how can it have a true, any kind of a truth in my life? I said, because it's the Word of God. Because this Word, this Bible, everything that is written in here was inspired by our Creator, by the Almighty God, inspired to men to write so that we could learn from it and we could be educated by it and we can be taught by it and commanded by it and given the, the instructions as how to live this life the right way, the way God wants us to. So what if we, if we can't understand all of it? That's why they made up Bible study. That's why we study the Word. We study it. We discuss it. We break it down. We get to a point where we do understand it. And once you understand it, you do know exactly how it applies directly to you. That's why God inspired it to be written. So when that was said to me, it really, it really, I was disappointed. And, but it did not deter me from continuing to believe what I believed about the Word of God. I just simply, because the, the pastor at that time, he, pre he preaches the same way I preach. I preached that this is the Word of God. It is the absolute, irrefutable, undeniable truth. If you don't understand all of it, so be it. Study it harder. But it is the Word of God. It is the truth. God doesn't ask us to... You know, that he doesn't say that we have to, you know, break it down and analyze it to death. God just wants us to trust what it says and to trust the truth that he inspired it. So it's the truth. Getting back to the message now. You have to watch me sometimes, folks, because I'll go off on a rant when it comes to the Bible. Uh, the purpose of that worldview that we have, when we say that the Bible in its entirety is true, the purpose of believing that way is quite simple and to the point. You know, through what we believe, through what we accept and, and, and trust from the Bible, we are to direct the world back to the Bible, back to the unchanging Word of God. 
and guide the world back to the truth that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're able to accomplish that only by studying and speaking and, and living out the truth that we find within these pages. And never by going along with the influences that we hear and that we see in the world around us that can sway us in a different direction. I want you to turn in your Bibles with me this morning to the fourth chapter of Ephesians. We're going to be looking at verses 17 through 23. And as I read this scripture this morning, I want you to listen to the words that Paul is saying, listen to the teaching that he is giving here, the statements that he's making, and see if this does not sound very, very familiar as to the condition of our world and our society today. Beginning in verse 17, Paul says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. But, and he's talking to the believers now, but ye have not so learned Christ. In other words, you, you haven't learned Christ that way. You haven't learned about what Christ gives us and offers us that way. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to its deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You know, the Apostle Paul, in his epistle to the the Ephesians is telling them, and he's telling us today through, the, through this scripture, that the stability of our faith, how stable, how grounded our faith is, is what's going to serve us well in being able to lead others to follow the truth that we believe and that we profess. Paul's also saying, and he's saying very emphatically, I might add, be who you profess to be. Put off that old, those old thoughts. Put off that old man, those old conversations you used to have that these people who are unbelievers are still having. Put off those old attitudes that you used to have about the Bible, about God, about Christ, about being a Christian that they have. Why does Paul say put it off? Why does Paul say stand on your convictions? Because he tells them that is not who you are now. That is not who you are in Christ. That is not what you believe because of Christ. Be who you profess to be. Do not compromise your convictions because that's not who you are. You know better. You know better because you know Christ. It's what Paul's telling them, and that's what he's telling us today. We can look at the world we live in. We can look at the condition of our society, the very condition of our immediate community, and see people just living in a way and conducting themselves and, and just going along with whatever, whatever feels good. 
whatever. You know, that's, that's the, the, uh, evidently the new normal today. Everything goes. Everything's normal. Nothing's out of place anymore. We can look at those things and we can either get downtrodden about it, we can get disheartened about it, and we very well should in a way because as Christians, we love, we're supposed to love people enough that when we see them living their lives that way and giving themselves over to those things, it should make us grieve for them to the point where that our love will convict us to stand up and say something and to give, give our testimony and witness and somehow, as we said before, guide them back direct them back to the truth, to what really matters, to what can change their life in a way that they, they can open their eyes and open their heart and see and understand who the old man was and who the new man is and the difference between the two and the quality of life that has improved because of it. We must desire and to see and hear the name of Christ praised instead of despised and denied. We have to courageously proclaim that just as Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father, He is the only way to a restoration of our nation's faith, of our nation's relationship to God. But most importantly, remember that as followers of Christ, we are commissioned, we are given the order we have the responsibility and the accountability to be his eyes, to be his hands, to be his feet, but most importantly, to be his voice. If we indeed are Christians according to where the Bible tells us that we should be, then we have the indwelling spirit of Christ within us. So therefore, with that indwelling spirit of Christ present within us, we are commissioned to go forth into the world and continue his ministry to be his feet, his hands, his ears, his voice. We have to know the future direction of the world in our society, and our community. It's very important that you realize this as a church in this community, one of the only churches in this, in this immediate community, that the direction that they go, either they continue to go, or perhaps a new direction that they would choose to go, depends on your individual conviction of faith. Ever thought of it that way? Have you ever thought that the many people that are living just in this community out here that are lost, that are unsaved, that are searching, that are just living to live, that their eternity might be dependent upon you, on whether you are convicted enough in your faith to reach out to them, to share Christ with them, to explain the truth of the gospel to them. Not only does it depend on your conviction of faith, more importantly, it, it, it depends on the action that you're willing to take because of your faith. And that action is what will bring about change. Change. 
Yes, it may bring about some rejection. We talked about this a little bit uh, when I spoke about evangelism here recently. It may get the dog sicked on you. It may get the door slammed in your face. But that does not mean it will not bring about change. That does not mean that it won't, will not accomplish what God brought you there to accomplish. It does not mean that it will not bring about restoration in someone's life. It does not mean that it will not bring about healing in someone's life. We are to have, as Christians, a biblical worldview, and we are to have a Christian response rather than a secularized, humanistic worldview with an apathetic outlook towards our society. What does it mean to have an apathetic outlook and apathy? Who cares? So be it. Doesn't matter to me. That's being apathetic. Now, as Christians, are we to have that kind of an attitude? It needs to matter to us, and it needs to matter enough to us personally and individually and as a church that we put our heads and our hearts together and we pray about it and we decide what direction do we need to take for our community. Because you're not doing it for the sake of the church, you're doing it for the sake of Christ. You're not doing it to glorify yourselves. You're not doing it to glorify the church itself by name. You're doing it to glorify God. That is what we're all commissioned to do. To bring the lost to a saving knowledge of Christ. And if the lost is out there, and we're having church in here, and they can't hear what's being said in here, then what's the other course of action? Take it to them. Find a way. God will make a way because it's certainly something that he wants this church and every other church to do. You know, God never promised us that life was going to be easy. A lot of us today can testify to that. <laughs> there are folks right here in this congregation that are, that are dealing with health, health issues and family issues and all kinds of other things, perhaps even financial issues that, that just are, are causing a lot of adversity and hardship in your life. You know, God did not promise us that life would be without that. He did not promise us that it would be perfect he did not promise us that it would be problem-free. In fact, the Lord Jesus very clearly said that if we go before the unbelieving world in his name, what can we expect to happen? We can expect to be hated. We can expect to be despised. We can expect to be persecuted, rejected, even ridiculed. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John. And we're going to look at verses 18 through 21, the words of Jesus Christ in regard to how the world will feel about us if we proclaim him. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. In essence, what Jesus is saying is the world hates you because it hates me and because you represent me, because you proclaim me. They're going to hate you. If you were of the world, if you were like them, the world would love his own. 
They'd welcome you in with open arms. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Went and visited someone one time and doing the same thing that I'm talking about right now, just cold call outreach. Knocked on this guy's door, said, how you doing, brother? We had a great conversation there for like the first couple minutes until I mentioned the name of Jesus. Oh, no, 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 no. I, 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 I thought you was here for something like that. No, I, ain't got, I don't have time to talk about that. I, I know all I need to know. <laughs> and I just told him, I said, well, here's my card. I left him some information about the church that I was pastoring at the time. And I said, you know, if you have any questions or if you get to a time where you might just want to sit down and talk, give me a call. You know what? That guy did call me back. <laughs> Two or three months later, he called me. Was had a death in his family. Something devastating had happened to him that, that, had, that had caused him to get to a point of knowing that there, he needed more than what he thought he knew, of what he thought he had. Jesus goes on to say, Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake. And he says why in the last sentence here in verse 21. Because they know not him that sent me. They don't know the Lord. They don't know anything about him. They, they say they don't want the Bible. They don't want to hear about it. They don't want to hear anything about Christ. They don't want to hear anything about God. But they don't know anything. They don't know what they want. It, they don't want to hear. All they know is something in that's going to be said through that is going to change something in their life. It's going to take them out of their comfort zone in some way or another. If they would just open their eyes and their heart and understand that it would take them out of their misery, of their misunderstanding. It would take them out of the sadness and the stress and the worry and the continual aggravation that's going on in their life because there's such a void there that needs to be filled and can only be filled through Christ. You know, the change that we are witnessing in our world today, along with the rejection of anything Christian, is happening exactly as Jesus said it would, exactly as he said it right here in John. You know, we are presently experiencing the, the unsaved, unbelieving world that Jesus was referring to. And, the, and we've been experiencing that for a long time, but it just seems like maybe in the last 10 years, 15 years, it has escalated. It has continually gotten worse and worse, and we're seeing things and hearing things on TV now on channels that used to be family channels. The language that we're hearing, the, the different things that are pushed at us that we're supposed to, be, to accept is okay. It was never like that. And it's just attitude like either accept it or not. But we're, we're, this is how it's going to be. That's what our world is saying. That's the worldview today. As Christians, we don't present Christ to people that way. 
Accept him or not accept him, but that's the way it's going to be. God gives us free will. He gives us a choice. But God wants to make sure that we're doing our part to give as many people as, as possible that choice. We have that choice to go in this direction or that direction for our life. You know, amidst the uncertainty and instability that's going on in our world today, the Bible is what provides us with very clear reminders that we always have somewhere to turn in life. We always have someone to turn to. We can always, without fail, rely and depend upon our God. You know, God is eternal and God is in control. No matter how dire our circumstances may be, no matter how uncertain everything may become around us, not just in our personal life, but in the world around us. It's very important that we know this, that the change we experience, whether it's in the world or whether it's in our personal lives, it's not always going to be something, these changes are not always going to be something that's detrimental to the, the plans that God has for our life and the purpose that he has for our life. And it, it w is not something that should be detrimental to our hope for the future. When does it become detrimental? When do, does it become a negative thing? When does it negatively impact that? It's when we allow it to. It's when, when we, we, we become so overcome with worry and stress and, and fear in our life about how things are in the world then it becomes detrimental because it takes our focus off of God. It puts our focus so much on what's going on and takes our focus on the truth and the fact and the reality that God is eternal and that God is in control, always has been, always will be. You know, sometimes it can be things that happen in our life, these changes that we see going on around us or things that happen in our personal life can be something that God sees as necessary in order to motivate us as Christians, to motivate us to more diligently seek Him in our lives. It can also prove to be exactly what God needs to accomplish in and through both our world and our individual lives, His purpose, His plan for the best in order to get us where He needs us and wants us to be. For more daily inspiration and encouragement from Faith to Victory Ministries, find us on Facebook, Google+, and YouTube. This is the Faith to Victory Radio Network. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.